This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. And welcome to the program. Richard Duggan here filling in for Linda Swain today. She's off this week and man, oh man. I'm jealous because, for the most part, she's gotten some pretty stellar weather to enjoy it with. Sunny and 11 degrees, the high in Metro today. Pretty good start for mid-May, if I do say so myself. And hopefully this nice weather continues and keeps getting warmer because there's a lot of artists and tourism operators who are looking forward to a busy summer season, and they need some good weather to do that, uh, especially after a few years of a pandemic. And on today's program, we're going to check in with some of those people who are looking forward to the upcoming summer season. Season. Joining me now, this person is involved in, well, too many projects to count, including Shakespeare by the Sea. Their name is Mallory Fisher, and they join me now. Mallory, welcome to the program. Um, you're a good one to talk to about what's going on in the arts community because you have your hands in just a whole bunch of projects. Um, so, <laughs> so just to start off, I guess, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and some of what you're involved in. Absolutely. So, um... Yeah, my name is Mallory. Um, I grew up in the bustling metropolis of Mount Pearl, um, and now I live in St. John's, and I work um, here in the arts community primarily as a director, but also as a playwright, an actor, a producer, an arts administrator. Um, Like most artists in our community, I kind of have my hand in all kinds of different stuff. So what are are some of the projects that you're going to be involved in this summer? Well, I am the artistic director for Shakespeare by the Sea, and um, Shakespeare by the Sea is a St. John's-based community organization, Um, and what we do is present outdoor theater um, with a focus on the works of William Shakespeare and uh, other classical contemporaries uh, in the great outdoors. So this year, um, I'm directing one of our main stage shows, which is Coriolanus by Shakespeare, and that will be happening uh, Friday evenings and Saturday. Saturday afternoons at the rooms at the Fortis Amphitheater um, outdoors there, which uh, is a lovely space. And that opens on July 8th and runs until August 13th. And then the other show that we have programmed this year is uh, Chekhov's The Cherry Orchard. And that's going to be directed by a brilliant up and coming director named Azul Desange. Now, this summer will hopefully be the closest thing that we've had to the old normal since 2019. Um, how excited are you to, to see that return and to hopefully get things ramped up again in the arts community? Oh, I'm so excited about it. Um, Luckily, because Shakespeare by the Sea is an outdoor theater company, we were still able to do some of our original programming last year. Um, But we also presented um, a digital offering for people who were maybe not comfortable yet um, going back to live theater or whatnot. So we wanted to be able to to be sure that we could access our audiences no matter where they are, no matter what their um, comfort levels were. Um, But this year, we're gone back to our regular programming, which is all outdoor theater. And again, because we're outdoor theater, we do have a little bit of uh, flexibility, I guess, like we can um, make space for more audience members uh, outside. So that's definitely a blessing. But I'm very excited to um, watch audiences watch live theater. Um, That's one of my favorite experiences is seeing how the audience reacts to it. Um, So, yeah, I'm definitely certainly very excited about that. 
Now, you mentioned that Shakespeare by the Sea still put off shows last year uh, during the pandemic, and you mentioned that it's uh, an outdoor experience. So w- was was your mind, I guess, a, a little more at ease last year, given the fact that it, it was outdoors and the risk is generally uh, uh, thought to be less in outdoor settings? Uh, so, I mean, certainly that is uh, a benefit that we had versus some other theater companies who have to operate um, indoors with the restrictions of um, like space and uh, ability to accommodate more people. So that's certainly like a benefit that we um, that we have. But outdoor theater also has lots of its own challenges for sure. Like what? Um, well, it can be taxing on the performers, especially because of how windy it is here. <laughs> um, so vocally, to make sure that they're being heard and understood by the audience can certainly be a challenge. But our actors are all definitely up for it. But then there's also things like losing performances due to weather um, and such, or just being, you know, really cold in July and then being mad about that, you know. <laughs> I, I was about to say that it must it, it, there must be a bit of improv involved if one of your props starts blowing away right in the middle of your performance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so now in terms of what's going on this year, do you find that people are, are eager to get involved with, with these sort of projects again, or is there a bit of hesitation still? there's definitely still uh, a bit of you know healthy hesitation i think um everybody wants to make sure that uh everybody feels safe and comfortable and i mean of course uh you know we have to plan make plans for what happens if somebody in our company gets sick and how do we accommodate that as we move forward but i also feel there's a super strong um desire to uh find community or reconnect with old communities so i uh, i definitely think that uh, a lot of our alumni that are coming back are so happy and grateful to be uh, involved again. And also we're seeing new people who are like, I've been in my house for three years and I'm here because I want to meet some new friends, which I totally relate to as well. Um, So, yeah, I I definitely think that, you know, everybody has to um, prioritize their own health and safety. And so it's kind of, you know, a mix. Some people, of course, are still going to be a little bit hesitant, but for the most part, I think the, the prevailing attitude is um, gratitude about being back in um, these kind of comforting, familiar spaces with people who are going to support them on their creative journeys. And you talked about it a little bit there, but what are some of the things, I guess, that you have to keep in mind when planning these these sort of outdoor performances or any sort of an arts performance at all? I guess, what are some of the big things to keep top of mind? Well, for me, um, the main most important thing to keep in mind is the uh, the audience's experience. And something that I found has been um, really a great learning experience for me throughout the pandemic is that you, we've seen a lot of pivots towards digital theater, which has actually provided us a lot of lessons in how we can make theater in general more accessible. Um, and so when you're watching a performance day from your living room, you can potentially pause it or you can get up and get a drink if you need or you can go to the washroom and you know when I'm preparing an experience for the audience for um, the theater I'm thinking about those things now you know because there's this idea that we have this decorum or this etiquette at the theater that you can't get up or you can't um, you know move and that can make the idea of going to sit at a performance for somebody for two hours really daunting or maybe 
be impossible depending on their needs. Um, so something I'm always thinking about is, are they going to be comfortable in their seats? Um, is there space for them to get up and move without, you know, drawing too much attention or whatnot? Like, how do we make it a pleasurable experience and one that, you know, um, can a lot for all different kinds of experiences and all of them positive, hopefully. And I... <clears throat> Pardon me. I guess that would be um, one of the benefits of doing outdoor performances as well, because there's there would be a difference, I guess, um, in being in, in a theater and getting up from, let's say, a creaky chair as opposed to mm-hmm. being in an outdoor setting. And I guess, I guess it makes people feel, I guess, a, a little bit more comfortable to be able to get up and move around. Oh, absolutely. Because often, you know, when we're performing, people will wander over and be like, what's going on over there? What are you guys doing over here? So the coming and going is kind of common and our our performers are definitely used to that. And so it's something that I want to try to invite into this space as much as possible is whatever your body needs, do that. The play will continue and people might die in the play, but nobody's going to die around the play. (laughs) So you can get up. Awesome. And now, Mallory, um, I, I guess just finally, you know, for anybody who might might be listening to this and maybe they haven't been to see a live play before or anything like this, um, what would you say to them? And, and, and what would you say about the experience to someone who has never been there before? Um, well, I would say that it's um, a great opportunity to um, – connect with your community and with um, with the people that you live around and maybe don't uh, talk to or know or see, but uh, it can be a really illuminating experience. And we are such a, a, a province that is so rich in arts and culture and has so much talent. And I feel like that's um, a big part of a lot of people's um, identification with Newfoundland and Labrador is uh, this idea of cu- tourism and culture. You know, we have so much, such a rich, specific culture. And what better way to, you know, support your community uh, than to go out and support people in your community that are uh, making art at this time? Excellent. Mallory Fisher, we're all out of time, but thank you so much for taking the time out to join the program today and talk about what sounds like a really bustling arts community in Newfoundland and Labrador. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And that was Mallory Fisher. All right, we're going to take a break now on On Target, and when we come back on the program, we're going to check in with the local comedy community with Stephen Vanier when he joins the program. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And welcome back to On Target. Richard Duggan filling in for Linda Swain, who's taking a well-deserved rest this week. On today's show, we're checking in with some people in the arts and tourism industries around uh, the province now as we head into what's hoped to be a pretty busy summer season. Um, Because for a lot of people, this will be the first time they've really been able to do full-capacity shows, full-capacity events since the summer of 2019. Joining me now on the program, we're going to check in with comedian Stephen Vanier. Stephen's a comedian here in the St. John's Metro region. He joins me on the program now. Stephen, good good afternoon. How you doing today, Rick? Richard? Awesome, man. Thanks so much again for tuning or uh, for joining me on today's edition of the program. So, I guess just Thanks to start off, um, tell me, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and how'd you get into comedy? Uh, honestly, it came from uh, I, I came from Nova Scotia originally. I came to Newfoundland for school. And uh, one evening I was downtown um, at an event for my friend's birthday. 
and I got a text from a buddy, and there was a comedy show going on, and I should come over and check it out. And I went over, and Mike Lynch was hosting an open mic, and I talked to him after the show to give it a try. And two weeks later was the first time I did stand-up, and that was back in December of 2015. Wow, so quite a long journey from, from 2015 to now. You've been doing this for a while. Take me back to those first couple of shows. I mean, for someone just starting out, and comedy can be, I, I guess, one of the more difficult things to try to learn how to do because it's trial and error in front of, it has to be trial and error in front of a group of people to find out what jokes will land, what jokes won't land. Uh, how challenging was it starting off for you? Uh, for me, it was pretty challenging uh, because comedy has been the only thing I've ever done on stage. I didn't perform any music or any drama in high school or anything like that. Uh, so just getting rid of that nervousness of stepping in front of a group of people, a group of strangers, and just telling them my ideas is uh, quite intimidating. But you start to get over that the more and more you do it. So you mentioned how you've never, you know, you didn't do any plays or anything on stage in high school or before this. So I guess what attracted you to comedy to say, you know what, this is something that I want to try? Oh, just growing up watching, you know, CBC just for laughs, seven-minute clips or five-minute clips of uh, all those Canadian comedians and comedians from around the world and telling them between friends in school and uh you know you never really thought it was an opportunity until you see it live for the first time and then you're like okay maybe it's something i want to try who are some of the comedians that really influenced you uh influenced me like i, I love um i love bill burr i love jeremy hotz uh michelle wolf is tremendous um uh, Nate McIntosh from uh, Nova Scotia is another big influence. A um, lot of, lot of big comedians. Brent Buss is another huge one. A lot of big names in Canadian comedy that have had a huge influence in my life. So now some comedians, you know, when they get up on stage, they go out and they'll make fun of real life. Some go out and they create these wild stories that really take the audience on a ride. I, I guess what what's your style of comedy? Where do you get your inspiration from for your your, your material? Uh, for me, it's, you know, day-to-day experiences, uh, things I just kind of find ridiculous, um, new stories. Uh, sometimes I'll even grab a uh, fact book that I have that's just random facts um, and see if that can generate any kind of thoughts so a lot of um, a lot of random topics in my in my comedy some on the darker side some on the silly side and, you know, I was just thinking that, you know, especially over the course of the last two years where the roller coaster of emotions for so many have been up and down with the pandemic, it must be, I guess, a little bit of a, a, a break to be able to, you know, go in and try to find the lighter side of life and to try to find the lighter side of, of everything that's going on. Yeah, when we first uh, were able to do comedy shows again after the pan, well, after the lockout, I should say, um, it was almost kind of like lifting a weight because, again, with isolation and uh, not being able to see anybody, uh, there was none of that instant feedback. I mean, stand-up is all about idea, reaction, idea, reaction. And when 
you're at home locked away with the same person for two months um the reaction to your jokes hopefully aren't as genuine as the audience afterwards so it's been nice to get that back and uh just talk to people again face to face and I was going to say, too, how do you keep, I guess, your, your comedy mind sharp throughout a lockdown? Because, like you said, comedy is about bouncing these jokes off of people. And without, you know, without an audience to bounce things off of, I, I imagine that must have been a, a difficult, uh, difficult to navigate. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was really tough. And Honestly, it just came from video calling people. I mean, the same Zoom meetings people were having for work, uh, we were having for ideas and just motivation to write again. Uh, because one of the things about the pandemic that kind of hurt was there was no show to look forward to. There was no show to prepare for. Uh, so really just checking in with friends and, you know, talking about it really helped, you know, keeping comedy on the mind. How excited were you to finally get back in front of live crowds again? Oh, it was it was the best. It was the best. I mean, it's getting that reaction, you know, whether it's whether it's laughter, whether it's booze, it's all the same after not having it for so long. It just just having that instant feedback is almost like coming back with a like a manifest of jokes that you've just been scribbling down on a piece of paper for you know, six months, whatever the lockdown was, and then getting to see them all, <laughs> how the audience reacted to all those thoughts and how those thoughts were different than usual life was, uh, it was, it was something I hoped to never see again, but it was, <laughs> it was a good experience. How much are you looking forward now to this summer season in terms of shows? Because as I mentioned off the top, this will be the first time that, you know, we can really get those, full capacity shows back again now this is the first real um close-ish to normal summer that we we've had now since 2019 so how, how excited are you for this upcoming season and to really get some of those full capacity shows again oh it, it's it's always great when the weather shifts uh, definitely uh just a general upbeat feeling among people and you get things like comedy shows even live music uh, summer is always better for it. Um, you know, you can go outside afterwards, still nice out, walk in the streets, feels good. Uh, but yeah, getting those, getting those audiences back, it's great for not only the comedians, but it's good for the businesses. It's good for the venues that help us do these shows. It's good for the musicians. Um, it, it's, it's just a boost to the entire, um, entire area. Uh, it's good. It's good for the soul live entertainment. It really is. And that's an interesting point that you bring up. You know, I, I guess for myself being an outsider to these, you know, to, to comedy, to to live music, I'm no musician, but, you know, like oftentimes when I think about that those shows going on downtown, I think of it as an individual thing. Like it's, it's comedy and it's, um, you know, the musical performances. But as you just mentioned, you know, everything kind of interconnects and, you know, comedy benefits the music, which benefits the live venues. And like it's all connected. Absolutely. I mean, you know, somebody could be brought down by a comedy show, leave a comedy show, and go see live music for another couple hours. Vice versa is true too. Um, you know, it's it's really the enter uh, the entertainment industry is like a team sport, and uh, you know, without that support, it would be really tough to come back the way uh, we have so strong lately. 
And now, Stephen, we've got a couple minutes left. Uh, give us a taste. Do you have any big shows coming up? What's on tap for you this in the next couple months? Yeah, um, so just got a couple dates here to plug. Um, we got June 10th, we're at Chase Landing with uh, Paul Warford and Brian Elward. Uh, June 12th, I'll be at the Embassy, uh, hosted by Liam Small with Bree Parsons and Chris Tobin. And another thing I'd like to plug is every Tuesday night, uh, we are at Elixir with Downtown Comedy, an open mic that is run by myself, Sarah Walsh, and Todd Butt. All right, excellent. Lots of opportunity to get out and see local comedy. And uh, having known from experience, I've been down to a couple of Stephen's shows, and he is hilarious. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for joining the program today, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having me, Richard. You're the best. Awesome. Thank you very much. That was Stephen Vanier, local comedian. Uh, We're going to take a break on On Target, and when we come back, we're going to check in with Chris Andrews of Shanigan Don't go away. Join Brian Medore weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels newsmakers, weather, and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon. Right, and welcome back to On Target. Richard Duggan in the saddle filling in for Linda Swain on what's shaping up to be a pretty nice Thursday across the region. This hour, we're chatting with people in the local arts and tourism communities about how they're feeling heading into the upcoming summer season. My next guest is someone who doesn't need an introduction, but if you don't know the name, you'll definitely know the voice. Chris Andrews of Shanigannock. Chris, welcome to the program. Good morning, Richard. How are you making out? I'm good, man. Thanks so much for tuning into the program. And I guess you're pretty busy now heading into the summer season. We're finally starting to get back to, uh, I guess, our new normal and uh, being able to get out and, uh, and play for the good people again. Now, actually, before we get into some of that, I did want to mention this morning we uh, woke up to a bit of uh, Shanigannock news as you guys released a new music video, new song, just ahead of the May 24th long weekend. Tell us about it. Oh, we did, yeah. And, and of course, with our luck, it was sunny out. A song called Rain, Drizzle, and Fog. <laughs> but uh, we try to do something for the May 24th. We know it's a big, uh, a very pretty large celebration here for Newfoundland and Labrador to kick off the summer. So today we did a, a little song uh, written by uh, our good friend and bandmate Patrick Moran called Rangers in the Fog, all about the weather here in our province. Well, you know what? I suppose if 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 there's one thing that uh, we can always count on, it's it's the rain drizzling fog. But hopefully, we don't see too much of it now <laughs> heading well, into the I long ho- weekend. I hope we get the weekend out of it for sure. But I feel pretty confident there's a bit more in store before we get to summer. <laughs> And now I, I want to get into, uh, I guess, the last couple of years, because it's been a hard couple of years for local artists with the pandemic. How's it feel for you to finally be getting back to some sense of normal now heading into the summer? It's it, it's a great feeling. It, we missed it so much, you know. And it's, uh, you know, of course, being safe was the number one priority and, and, and smart. But uh, it's nice now, you know, things seem to be a bit more uh, relaxed and uh, you know, uh, not relaxed, but you know, you still got to keep your guard up, but you know, a bit safer for sure. And we have to move on, so it's great to be able to get back on the move. You know, like next week, we're playing out of province for the first time since COVID, and uh, you know, lots of shows throughout Newfoundland and Labrador for come home here and across Canada. We're just excited to get back to it. Wow, so heading out of the province for the first time since the pandemic, where are you headed? 
we're at, we start uh, next week, next Wednesday. We're in Manitoba. We start off in Manitoba, and then we move off and do a few shows to Alberta. And then uh, we got to beat it home for some work here. But throughout the summer and the fall now, we'll be uh, out across Canada a few times. Wow, must be exciting. Not not just because, I mean, like, there's the local feel and, you know, getting to perform in front of the local crowds. But, I, I mean, getting back to, you know, those Newfoundlanders that are living away and the Shandiganuck fans that, that are living all, all across the country must be a great feeling as well. I can't wait, you know. And the whole thing about it was, you know, let us bring a piece of Newfoundland and Labrador to you, you know. So, and, and, of course, a lot of people couldn't get home during COVID. And, and like you said, you know, it's not just all Newfoundland and Labrador. There's just lots of fans from all over. So it's going to be great to get out and play, feel the energy, uh, move along with the audience and have fun with them and then have fun with us and just a good old shady show. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, Shanigannuck has been performing some shows, but they've been different shows over the past couple of years. You know, I, I was in attendance for that one that you did uh, in the old Target parking lot, the drive-in yeah. one, over a couple of summers ago. I mean, and it was it, it was a great show, but it was a different feeling to not be in that crowd and not to be moving the same, you know? That was the drive-in show, yeah. For about five days after that show, I had a dream. I was asleep on the Outer Ring Road. Air horns <laughs> blowing at me. Uh, it, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, you know, to have uh, thousands of people come out in cars, and you know, and, and, and you know, the appreciation was car horns barping, and it was great support. And at the time, we we didn't really know if that might be what we could do, you know, for the unforeseen future. Was you know, shows like that where people were protected. And, you know, we've rolled along with it and we tried to, we made sure we followed the rules. We made sure that we provided people a, a very safe space to come enjoy themselves. And I think that's what we all have to do now is just have to evolve with the new normal and, and do what we can to make sure the audiences are protected and everybody can have a good time. How much did it mean to see that continued support, not just for Shani Ganuk, but for the for the music community, for the arts community as a whole, as 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 you struggled to get through the the first few waves of the pandemic? It, it was amazing, you know, and, and and to see all the people playing shows online, and and of course, you know, trying to help out the charities who were really affected by this too, and and you know, just people stepped up and tried to help, and and it, it made myself and the band and of course lots of other artists and musicians uh, feel really good you know that the province sort of had their back how badly needed is a good summer now for the local music scene well it's i think it's really really needed uh you know it's, it's people have you know they've survived and, and they've done what they've had to do but it certainly you know it hurt their their bottom line like you know, as an old fella like myself mark now you know uh, uh that made retirement covid made retirement five years longer than it was supposed to be you know because that's you know and that's how you had what you had to do to survive and that's the way it is so this summer especially with come home year and all the entertainment and all the great artists you know getting back out playing hopefully it can uh, get them back to a solid place where they can start to build again and one thing that I thought was interesting that we talked about a, a little bit ago, you know, you talked about making sure that uh, over the course of the last couple of years, making sure that any shows that were held, you know, they were safe for people. And uh, I remember even uh, earlier this year, there were a couple of Shanigannuck shows that had to be canceled when the COVID situation uh, started, to, started to ramp up again earlier this year, you know, because 
I guess when planning those shows for you, it's not just you're thinking about the safety of yourself and of your bandmates, but you, you also have that, that social responsibility of, of trying to keep the crowd safe as well. 100%. And, and it was a big thing for us, and I know a big thing for a lot of other artists. Uh, you got no one, if you don't take care of your audience, you got no one to play to. <laughs> you know, and, and especially in today's, you know, world and, and music and the arts, where like you know, uh, you know, we brought up the video today. The last time I looked, I think there was like fifteen thousand people looked at it in an hour. But technically, we made nothing from it. It's you know, like it's just sort of like a, uh, hey, we're still out there. We're still doing the music. Come out and see us play. You know, so if you don't protect your audience and give them the safe, fun atmosphere, you know, uh, it's, it's not going to go very far. And now, Chris, give us a taste of what are some of the shows that Shandy Ganuck has uh, coming up over the next couple of months? I know Iceberg Alley's a big one. Iceberg Alley is a massive one, and that show is almost sold out. So if you're thinking about going, don't wait too, too long. Uh, we're only going to be in uh, St. John's twice this year. Uh, uh, another uh, announcement coming out soon of another fantastic show that everybody likes to go to in the middle of the summer. Uh, Iceberg Alley is going to be amazing. We are Squid Fest, and we are in Kings Point, and we are in Kings Cove, and Bergio, and uh, Barrett Islands, or Burnt Islands, sorry, and we're everywhere. <laughs> and we're looking forward to it. We can't wait to get back out there, uh, give, give the people some good music and an opportunity to have some fun. It's long overdue for sure. Chris Andrews of Shanganuck, thank you so much for joining the program today, man. Really appreciate it. And best of luck now with the shows over the course of the summer. Thanks, Richard. Excellent. Thank you so much. And again, that is Chris Andrews of Shanganuck here on the program. We're going to take one final break, but we'll be back right after this. Weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM morning show. And we're back on On Target, final segment of the day. Thank you very much for tuning into the program. And on today's show, we're talking with members of the arts and tourism community about the upcoming summer season, which everyone is hoping will be busy and as close to normal as we can possibly get after two years of pandemic restrictions. And now, for the final segment of the day. We're switching gears to talk about the local tourism industry. On the line, I have Mike Gatherall of Gatherall's Puffin and Whale Watch. Uh, he joins me now. Good day, sir. Oh, good day. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for tuning into the program, or thank you so much for joining me on the program, I should say. And I guess you're quite busy now gearing up for the uh, upcoming season. Oh, we are indeed. And, you know, really, it's funny. We've kind of been busy for the last couple of years, but in, in a different way because you're just trying to maintain and keep everything in play and keep all the, you know, if you're a juggler, you're trying to keep everything up in the air until you can start moving again. And, uh, you know, thankfully uh, this season, everybody's kicking off now. We're, we're moving again. Are you seeing much interest now for the upcoming season? Are many people booking? You know, we yeah, we have. And we, and we did actually see that interest in some regards in 2020, 2021 as well. Um, so we deal with a lot of international tour operators, and you know, that demand was there. Uh, it continued to be there, but you know, for all the various reasons, it, it kind of kept getting pushed down the road and down the road. Uh, you know, so 2022, we're finally being able to capitalize on, on that demand a bit more. Um, you know, and of course, that comes with some other issues as well. But uh, you know, people are really chomping at the bit to travel. So you know, promises to be a decent year, all, all things being equal. 
how excited are you to see uh, boats full of people again? Oh, we're really ex- we're always excited. I mean, it's wonderful. You know, our staff are so happy to be back. You know, they've been chomping at the bit to get back and out on the water, and uh, you know that they're really in their element there. And that's something they they really look forward to. So I mean, it's um, we're we're so happy to be able to do it. What sort of protocols are in place on uh, gatherals right now, and for for people that are coming on? You know, for the most part, a lot of the prescribed protocols have kind of faded away. You know, as they have in general society. Um, you know, having said that, I mean, you know, we still continue to maintain our our efforts of cleanliness, of course, as everybody has. And there's been heightened awareness of that over the years. Um, you know, for the COVID side of things, you know, it still comes to whether people, they want to wear the mask. It's it's an individual decision. And, uh, you know, some do, some don't. Um, you know, and, and that's fine. It's It's up to the individual, and we're really happy with that. And it just makes for a more relaxed atmosphere, I think, the whole way around. Nobody wants to be the baddie going out and telling you, you know, tapping someone on the shoulder and saying, well, you have to do this, you have to do that. Um, you know, people now have their own discretion and they can use that, and, and we're really happy with that. I want to circle back. We were talking about um, the interest that you've seen now so far this year, and do you find that for things like a boat tour, do do more people like to book in advance or like well in advance, or are people booking sort of last minute for these? Do you see more? It's it's a real mixed bag when it comes to that. Uh, I mean, we have people who book a year, sometimes even a year and a half in advance. Uh, individual people, you know, individual bookings. Uh, certainly our, on our group and our corporate travel. I mean, all of that stuff is scheduled much further. Out, typically, a year to eighteen months to two years. Uh, so we're you know we're in the process now of, of you know, booking our twenty twenty four traffic uh, for our tour operators. Well, when it comes to the individual, I mean, we recommend people that they do book ahead for a number of reasons. You know, if they've got a limited window or limited opportunity to travel, um, you know, that way they're short by booking ahead, they're short of of that space at that time. Um, and as well, I mean, we've got a real flexible um, a policy for our individual clients. So, you know, right up until three hours before, they can make any changes, or you know, if they want to reschedule, or if the weather's you know, kind of inclement, someone is not feeling well in their party, right up until three hours before they can make changes. So that's that's pretty liberal in that regard. And that gives them certainly a sense of security that they can go ahead and book. And if something does change, you know, they've got that opportunity to make those changes and, and roll with the punches as to we. Interesting. And and the reason I brought that up is because myself and my family, we tend to go on a, a some sort of a boat tour every year. It's become kind of like a, a tradition for my family. And we generally try to book um, as close to the date as possible. Now, of course, it's different for us because we we live here and, you know, we're a lot closer and there's no window. But we generally do that to try to get the best weather possible. So it's interesting to hear that perspective. Yeah. And you know what? It, it, it is interesting. Um, you know, and I guess that's one of the areas where we find there's a difference. The local or the resident population does tend to, to book in that regard. I mean, uh, unless they've got an event coming up like a wedding or a reunion and they know they've got a finite amount of time in, in those instances. And we always welcome walk-ons, but you know, we always caution people it is best to call and book ahead because if you just leave it to that last minute and that last sunny day, well, guess what? There's lots of other people doing that as well. And, uh, you know, those days may be sold out, those trips may be sold out. And, you know, the one thing we really hate to see is when people think they can just drive up and jump on. And sometimes you can, but, 
you know, if they they wait and they leave their afternoon and they say, oh yeah, we'll go up and we'll do the boat tour, we'll just drive up and we'll do it. And they pop by and go to jump on. They find out that you know, sorry, everything in the area is full. You know, we're full, or, or you know, the O'Briens are full, or you know, anything anybody else in the area is full. They've then kind of wasted their time, so they've got to try and find something else to do by simply calling ahead. You know, the day before, two days before, forecast generally is, is relatively predictable. Uh, if we can say that for here, and you know, even the matter of 24, 48 hours makes a big difference for scheduling. Uh, for, for our guests, you know, and they can also see what's available. Um, you know, our reservation system is live 24-7, so you can always go on and check and see you know, when trips are available. And sometimes that does change. We'll add trips in uh, as the demand warrants. So it, it, it's a great system for that. So, you know, we really advise people, you know, it's worth the time just, you know, pick up the phone, call ahead or grab their smartphone and you know, gatherall.com and click a book now button and, and just have a look and see, oh, yeah, we're interested in going Saturday afternoon or there's only a couple of spaces left, better book it now. Because, again, you've got that three-hour window if the weather really goes to pot. Um, yeah, we're trying to accommodate changes right up until three hours before. And even having said that, lots of times, you know, if the weather really goes crap and people are local we know that they're going to be in the area for a little while longer and um, you know we certainly welcome the opportunity to, for them to come back again another day now mike i did want to ask because over uh the last couple of years during the height of the pandemic uh gatherals had partnered with o'brien's uh to do some tours um but i guess now this year you're back to individual operations we are back to individual operations I mean, it was a wonderful uh, arrangement for the last two years and i'm sure they feel the same way it uh, you know, was a necessary way to kind of get through a way to work through COVID and you know, the significant impact it had on our industry. And really and truly, it allowed you know, our operations, uh, both of us, to operate in 2020. And I think we were the only large tour boat operators in the province that did in 2020. Uh, it allowed us to push for a reopening in 2021, which, uh, again, you know, we, that helped get the province back on the road, the provincial industry back on the road for recovery in 2022. And of course, now as we move into 2022, um, you know, just our, our capacity requirements for our traffic for each of us really needs that we, we had to have our own space opened up again just to deal with the, the volumes of people that we were going to be dealing with in summer 2022. So, yeah, it worked really well. Um, and everybody learned a lot and everybody gets along very well. And, uh, you know, we're really both looking forward to getting people back out on the water. And now, Mike, speaking of getting out on the water, for anyone that's listening to the program today, and maybe they've never been out on a boat tour before, uh, give us a taste if someone were to go down to Gatheralls and head out on one of your boats, what can they see? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, the smiling, friendly faces. Um, you know, our staff, um, you know, all of our reviews come back in, and, and we are so very lucky to have a wonderful staff. Um, you know, very courteous, very professional, but very friendly, very welcoming, and that's that's hugely important in this in the sector. Of course, you know, the, the minute they get on board, you know, safety is one of our foremost concerns, if not our foremost concern. So, you know, all of our crews have the necessary training from Transport Canada. The approvals in place, the inspections are done. The vessel gets inspected when it's out of the water. It gets inspected when it goes back in the water. Firefighting, you know, all that kind of stuff that people don't always see. Uh, once they get on board, you know they're welcomed on board. It's you know, an introduction. We start right off the bat with an introduction on the safety side of it, in a light-humoured way, but to get the point across. 
And then we're off for 90-plus minutes for you know, a great bit of fun, off to visit the ecological reserve to see the puffins. Um, if any icebergs are in the area, it looks like it's going to be a decent year for icebergs, but, of course, that's always depends on where you're to. And, of course, uh, you know, we'll start to see some whales now in the coming weeks. Usually it's around the middle of June to the middle of August for our area. That tends to be the peak, but they can be around at any time. So there's... Uh, you know, the guys are on board, I should say the guys, but the crew, the entire crew is on board. Uh, and they're always out to have a bit of fun, entertain, educate. You know, it's a really well-rounded trip. And, and uh, you know, the response from nationally and internationally, locally, is overwhelming. We're, we're so thankful for our many resident Newfoundlanders who come and travel with us each and every season. Absolutely. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, myself and my family have been on the Gatherall's boat tours a, a couple of times now. And like you said, lots of entertainment and lots to see. I remember actually last year, um, the whales, the day that we went out, were particularly active and uh, we got to see them breaching and spraying. And it was just an incredible sight and people were really loving it. Yeah, and you know, we'd love to take credit for that part of it. Uh, but the one the one caveat we always throw in, it's that it is nature. And, of course, you know, from one trip to the next, you know, the whales may make a great appearance or they may be simply resting and feeding and just going about their normal activity. And, and you know, if you come multiple times through the season or over the multiple years, you get to see a little bit different. And every trip is a little bit different. Uh, even though we visit kind of the same area and the same place, taking the same sites, um, every trip is a little different, especially when it comes to the whales or icebergs and that sort of thing. The nature, the natural product is always changing. And um, you, know, you can't go out and expect that a whale is going to jump on every trip. And we try to let people know that, you know, temporary expectations, if it happens, it's incredible, it's fabulous, you're incredibly lucky to see it. But even still, just to find these creatures out in their natural environment is an awesome spectacle. Absolutely. Mike Gatherall, thank you so much for your time today, and best of luck with this summer season. Well, thanks so much for reaching out to us, and uh, look forward to welcoming you and your family back on board again in 2022. Absolutely, and there you go. Mike Gatherall of Gatherall's Puffin and Whale Watch. That does it for me on today's edition of the program. Have a great day, everyone. Bye for now.